0: Hello and welcome to Viva Pod Vegas. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode nineteen, War Pony. Riley Keough's War Pony from twenty twenty two. I'm Joey Lewandowski, and I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike, this is a special bonus episode, main feed bonus episode. Of course, there's no other feed. There's one feed. This is the only place you can listen to it. But we've been talking about this for a while. Riley Keogh, granddaughter of Elvis Presley, along with her best friend, according to the internet, Gina Gamble, mm-hmm. uh directed this movie, War Pony, which we knew had come out you know, in, in festivals last year, but now on VOD, we figured we would cover this movie because I think we both just really wanted to watch it.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's a combo between wanting to get to some more modern films on this podcast, somehow, some way mm-hmm. mm-hmm. being a perfect door to walk through for those. And, uh, hearing about this, her directorial debut, mm-hmm. I'll get to something about that in a minute about
0: Ooh, teaser. Nothing, nothing
1: too risque, nothing like that, but like, uh, I think we just need a break maybe from grandpa, just, just for one or one movie or so, just a little wedge there because the next one I think is going to be a big one. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we're going uh-huh. get, to we're getting to tickle me.
0: We're going to get tickled. So,
1: you know, this is going to be a nice little like uh buffer, a little like snack before we get to that main course, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I know that, like, we've talked about, and I do want to do, after we do the Elvis movies, and we have still left, including Tickle Me, we have 14 more Elvis movies. We've got plenty more to go. We're still barely over halfway there. Good stretch. We want to do the Priscilla movies, yeah. and we want to do Riley Keough movies, because, like, I think it would be fun that we can also do, like, you know, concert films and movies where Elvis is a character and whatever, whatever. Like right, There's plenty of right. things we could just do, like, as we go along, right? Yeah, but yeah. I feel like... When there's a new release, like we had Bos and Zelvis last year, we got this one now. Later this year we'll have uh niece on Uncle Francis, I guess. I mean daughter, but like, you know, in your in your parlance, Sophia is Priscilla will have yeah, a, yeah. we'll have a Coppola there. So we got more, another at least one more bonus episode coming this year, but mm-hmm. it is nice just to mix it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I am glad we're here. This was an unexpected like I didn't know anything about this movie. I just knew that she directed a movie. Um I was actually, I thought she'd be in the movie too. She never shows up, which isn't an issue or anything, but like also she is a co-writer of this Mm -hmm. as well, producer. I was reading a little bit about the production. Like this seems to be from the start, like one of her babies, uh, if not like her first film sort of project on her own.
0: So I have a little bit of backstory here. Before we get into this movie, there's three bits of news and I want to read one email. Oh, sweet. Okay. Okay. Love it. So the first email, we have other emails that we'll see for the Tickle Me episode, but Lucy Spencer emailed this week, and Lucy's written in before, and she says, hi guys, been waiting for the Tickle Me episode, but I don't see it anywhere. You <laughs> guys put out Viva Pot Vegas. Is it somewhere and I'm not finding it? Thanks, Lucy. P.S. You guys used to put your favorite song from the movie at the end of the episodes. I love that. How can we stop? Love you all. Keep it up. So oh, two answers there. Okay. I edit these episodes and I stopped putting the song at the end because I'm like, because we've gotten so many emails for different podcasts from Spotify, like, you don't have permission to use this. And there's like an appeals process. And I'm just like, uh, we have rights to use it. Click that. And then like, I don't know what happens. I just sort of... So like, <laughs> I try to dodge copyright as best as I can, but I'm also like... The Viva Pod, the Viva Las Vegas song is our theme song, and that doesn't get flagged. So I'm gonna start putting Elvis songs at the end again. Sorry, Lucy. I agree. We're gonna, we're gonna. I'm starting again. Thanks for pointing that out, Lucy. I'll,
1: I'll have an idea. What if to skirt some copyright issues, I sing a few bars, sure. and we do a little Elvis karaoke at the end? I, I, won't mind. I mean, we're we're gonna be doing those those in person, so you have to sort of like share the embarrassment a little bit on the air, uh, watching me do it and all that. And, Mike, uh, you want
0: to spit a couple bars from this movie of Lil Uzi Vert or J Cole or Buddy Redbo? You want to do some of those lines? from this movie
1: oh i don't remember those songs it's not okay. like catchy <laughs> elvis i mean, okay. would if i could um okay. i just that end song uh had me in tears so like mm. i don't want to i want to revisit that too soon but we'll talk about that um and the and other thing is yeah, what yeah was go, the, the other we thing did, is, we did not
0: we did not do tickle me yet yeah. because we were gonna do tickle me and the schedule got messed up we did mission impossible online but exclusive exclusive
1: exclusives
0: we have plans next weekend to get together to watch the new Cage movie, Sympathy for the Devil, and do this. So hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, Tickle Me in about two weeks.
1: Sweet. Um, yeah, and also, thank you for writing it. Like, this is so cool to be like, where's the Where's the episode? Where's the, epi- where's the beef? Like, yeah, like, I've never, uh, none of my other shows write in and is like, when are you getting to this episode? Why isn't this episode out yet? So that's very cool, very encouraging, very uh, motivating. Thank you.
0: Yes. So now here's three bits of news all about Riley, not about Elvis. There's an Elvis news we'll save for two weeks, but there's three bits of Riley news. Okay. The big one. Yes. Deadline. Riley Keough named sole heir of mom Lisa Marie Presley's estate and new owner of Graceland after challenge from Priscilla Presley. Wow. Wild. Riley Keough, the granddaughter of Elvis Presley, today was named. This is on August 4th. The sole... This is all this week. Like, we, we we basically decided to do... War Pony, like, two or three days ago. But, like, in the last week, three bits of Riley News. It's, it's crazy. It's a weird timing. Yep. Today was named the sole trustee of the estate of her late mother, Lisa Marie Presley. P- Priscilla Presley filed a petition to challenge the validity of Lisa Marie's will in January. The legal action disputed a 2016 amendment to the will that excised, cut out, Priscilla as trustee. Priscilla's attorneys said she only became aware of the, quote, purported amendment after Lisa Marie's death. Right. But then Riley had filed a 73 page petition in June in support of her bid. So it seems like she wants this. So she's going to preside cool. over the sub trusts for her half sisters. Priscilla will be a special advisor to the trust and receive a monthly payment. Blah, 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 blah. But I know that there was like messy kind of family stuff. Okay. Uh, All right. But, you know, so I hope, you know, if she wants this, it sounds like she wants this. You know, good for her. Yeah, proud key- of her. Happy for her. Keys to the Kingdom.
1: Very nice. You can go go live in Graceland if she wants all that, but it's nice to know. I mean, she seems to be a very productive person, like has a good career, has a pretty clean image and all that stuff, like no controversy or anything, probably best to, for her to kind of be the face of Graceland and the face of the Elvis estate and all that. It's like not a not a bad thing at all.
0: Now, I don't remember. Have you been to Graceland or no? No, man. And okay. I think
1: we were going to plan to do that at the end of the run of this. We will. We still, we still will.
0: <laughs> I've been there. I went there once on my cross country road trip and it was great. And I stayed at the Heartbreak Hotel, which was also fun. There's an nice. Elvis channel there, at least then, had a guy behind the counter just swapping out DVDs and just wanted Elvis movie. Would end, another <laughs> d- like, it would be on the DVD menu or like the DVD player menu. It was very cool. Uh, but, you know, we got it. We got to do that for sure because that'll be a fun episode. Absolutely. News right. number two, Riley. Okay. Riley Keo reveals baby's name, and it includes nods to grandfather Elvis Presley and late brother. So August 8th, this is just two days ago, as we were recording on mm-hmm. People.com. Riley Keough's baby daughter is taking after two important family members. Her daughter's name is a nod to both Keo's late grandfather and her late brother. This is Tupelo, said the new mom, before sharing her baby girl's full name, Tupelo Storm Smith-Peterson. Nice. Keyo said they originally chose the first name, the name of the Mississippi city Elvis was born, because of its subtle connection to her family. Quote, it's funny because we picked her name before the Elvis movie. I was like, this is great because it's not really a well-known name or word in relation to my family. It's not like Memphis or something then the movie came out and i was like Tupelo this and Tupelo that and i was like oh, no <laughs> she said but it's fine yep. and her daughter shares the same middle name as her late brother storm in honor of his 3 years after his death at the age of 27 very so nice. it's nice that she honored got to honor both of them
1: very nice yeah, tupelo is actually yeah that's a that that's a good name for that's a good that sounds like a good name that hasn't been used very often yeah i could see a person being called that
0: Toop is kind a of name. a cute nickname. A low is kind of a cute nickname, right? Especially for a girl, like a like a Lowe. A low.
1: maybe you call her Tulip. I don't, know. I, I don't know. She's also,
0: Riley's also on the cover of Vanity Fair this week. That's where this, okay. I think, came from and looking great on there. And then the third news, this is the dumbest news, when it came out yesterday. <laughs> All right. On Variety, Riley Keough, I think this might also be from the same interview, possibly. Riley Keough accidentally shut down the set by Eating peanuts before kissing Andrew Garfield who was highly allergic, quote, it was very stressful. So this is some what? under the Silver Lake gossip.
1: Oh, under the I forgot, dude, I love that movie.
0: It rolls. Damn, it's I so can't wait good. to
1: rewatch that.
0: I do love on Variety that they call it Vanity Fairy. They have a typo they have not fixed yet. Vanity Wait. Fairy video interview <laughs> that they shut down under the Silver Lake because Andrew Garfield, highly allergic to peanuts, which Keo did not mm. know, had the granola bar not been flagged it could have spelled disaster as they were gearing up to shoot a kissing scene that day.
1: Wow. Spider-Man's uh, ultimate nemesis, Peanut Lady. <laughs>
0: mm. That movie is great. She's only in it for like eight minutes. There's, but a, like, yeah, we'll
1: there's a lot of that's one of those movies. It's you know like Inherent Vice or like Big Lebowski. It's just like mm. people waltz in and out of that movie for a couple minutes, like a scene or two.
0: Yeah, yeah. But man, I love it. So that's all the Riley news. Have you seen any of the Riley news? No, not that I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that there's that much.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it was a good week. It was a good time to do this uh, episode. It was very Riley centric mm-hmm. uh, month, uh, summer of Riley. Pretty good.
0: Truly. So this movie is not available to stream for free anywhere yet. It is available for rental for five bucks in a couple of places. I wound up buying it for fifteen on Amazon because I wanted. Okay. I was like, I'm like, I'm probably gonna love this. And spoiler, I did. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that I bought it. But if you do not know what it's about, if you have not seen War Pony yet, it is the interlocking stories of two young Lakota men growing up on the Pine Ridge Reservation.
1: Yes, uh, I rented it. I had no uh, no qualms about shelling out. Couple bucks for Riley Keo's directorial debut, co-directorial debut. Mm-hmm. I also loved it. Uh, it kind of reminds me of um, like Res Dogs, but like mm-hmm. for real, like without any yeah. of the comedy or, or sort of like magic and mysticism. Like this, this touches on that, but it's not here. And but like, yeah, uh, it was already kind of like I had no idea what the movie was going to be about. I turned it on, I was like, oh, okay, I think I'm going to like this.
0: So I know that for years, and I think, actually, before I say this, let me get into the, the there's there's not much backstory about this movie, from what I can tell. There's no IMDb trivia, the wiki is not very long, I did not dig super deep, because, you know, I have my sources, I stick to my sources. <laughs> but in 2015, while making American Honey, Riley Keough befriended two extras, Franklin Bob, and Bill Reddy, while filming in South Dakota, and later introduced them to her best friend, Gina Gammel. Over the course of several years, the project began to take shape Though writing work, through writing workshops, improvisation sessions, and meeting hundreds of locals in the community to make it authentic. The group began discussing an idea for a film revolving around two indigenous locals growing up on the Pine Ridge Reservation. They began writing the script based upon Bob and Reddy's life experiences and stories they'd heard, ending up with too much material and decided to split the story between two characters and collaborated with local producer Willie White. It premiered at Cannes last year in May of 2022. It won the Camera Dior for Best First Feature. Oh. It's got a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes, mostly positive. The summary is with or 93% positive, average rating of 7.1. With subtlety and authenticity, War Pony tracks the lives of two young indigenous men and cements the two women behind the lens as talents to watch. I know that for years just following her on Instagram she's been very vocal and passionate and supportive of the indigenous community and I think when this movie was like announced it made sense to me but I think it just seems like it's something that she kind of like got to know and became part of and like part of that spirit and that culture and like mm-hmm. that group of people while making American Honey and then it was just like I want to tell their story. I think it is you mentioned it's like Res Dogs which is one of the, my one of my favorite shows on TV but I also think it's very much like American Honey like yes. it makes sense that it's just like naturalistic young people not condescending cuz I I like the characters but like kind of dirtbags acting naturally non-actors largely right and just following them and seeing what's up and i thought it was great yeah yeah it almost
1: felt like a pseudo sequel to american Mm -hmm. honey in a lot of ways like it it just picks up right where that leaves off in a lot of like oh these are two of the kids selling the magazines that summer and now they're back on the res or something like that and they're looking for other work or this or that and the style is there and it feels like I don't know how to explain it. Like, it feels so mature for a first feature. Like, I love – because sometimes when you do this docu-style kind of the naturalism and everything, like, it can be screwed up. Like, it can look too much like a documentary at first, or it can go too far the other way and start looking like Jason Bourne with too much shaky cam. But this manages to, like, compose beautiful, like, yeah. almost Spielberg-worthy shots at times of, like, the kids on their bikes or, like – looking off into the sunset or things or just driving in their car down a long ass road. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I was super impressed with the visual style of this movie and just like the overall aesthetic of it. Like it's almost like a Harmony Corinne like level of like gummo level of like realism at times, you know?
0: I think that's a good spot too. I like this so much because again the four people that I mentioned Riley and Gina and the two guys that they met this is the first movie that any of them had ever written it's the first thing that either the ladies had directed and it's so confident and like not flashy but just like well made and not that like it's any surprise I mean she grew up in show business she's been acting for a while like it's not really a surprise that like she's good at this but also like it's still kind of a surprise I think like you're saying that like kind of how good it is yeah
1: yeah and also, I'm, I'm curious about how, like, they worked as a team directing this, yeah. but it just feels like, I don't know, like, a lot of getting to the core of whatever was going on between all these people. Like, it just felt like they were playing themselves, and, like, it was so exposed. And you don't get that with seasoned directors or seasoned actors, and that's part of the fun, I think, of, like, having like, quote unquote, real people Mm -hmm. playing the roles. Like, I love that. Like, when that works, it works better than anything. Just like, I was very surprised, um, first of all, by like the maturity of the subject matter and all of that. And then just sort of how, uh, like you said, like it's not condescending at all towards this generation, you know, It it just shows who they are, right? And it's not apologizing or making excuses or any of that kind of stuff. It's just like showing showing what it's like. And it's, it's very eye opening at times.
0: No, I think it's good. And I think what's really kind of special, I know that you've said this on maybe this podcast, maybe not this podcast, because it's not exactly the, the movies we typically watch don't necessarily fall on this criteria normally, but I know that you've said in other podcasts that you like seeking out movies about stories and types of people and groups of people and all that kind of stuff that like you wouldn't normally encounter. Right. Right. And right. I think that there's like, it's so refreshing that, in the last couple of years, there's not a ton out there, but there's more indigenous stories, I think, than like I've ever seen before, like... Wind River that Jeremy Saulnier or was it, no not, oh. or Taylor Sheridan directed it but did Jeremy Saulnier write that
1: the one with um Jeremy, Jeremy Renner, Renner. Mm-hmm. yeah and
0: Elizabeth Olsen set in Alaska like that's awesome and like Reservation Dogs is great and this movie is great and I feel like there are so many stories that can be told also you know I just came back from vacation and having seen two boy genius shows on the west coast and like I saw them in New York too and like Everywhere they're going on this tour, they're having a local, from a local tribe, they're having an indigenous person, usually like an elder, and then one of the shows I saw, they brought out two young women with him, too, and they just kind of introduce and just, you know, talk about, like, the land that you're on, and, like, there just feels like there's more kind of acceptance and excitement and, you know... Desire to have these people tell their stories because, like, there's so many stories to tell. Like, imagine you know meeting these guys and like just these two guys have so many stories that like it fills up more than one movie. They're like, we have to split into two characters, <laughs> right. right? Like, we just, we yeah. have too many good things, or too many interesting things, or too many crazy things, and that's just two guys, right? Like, you have like yeah. every tribe, every reservation, every whatever. Just it's 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 unbelievable. Yeah, I think
1: I think one reason it hits such a nerve for me, like you say, like I have been, like I love seeking out stories that are, you know, way different than me and the way I grew up and stuff. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, seeing that uh, part of the world puts me back in my place, you know? And it's like, don't get too big for your britches and this and (laughs) that. And like, this is definitely a type of movie that does that. And it's just, I always just, you know, like seeing movies about the indigenous culture and, and the Native Americans and all that, like it's almost like a lost, like society of stories that haven't been told in feature films for years, like they're there, but like, you know, it's mostly not presented in the best light or or like they try to do the best they can, but like, this is an entire wealth of stories that I feel are just starting to be told because the means and the ways are being, uh, being given them. And, you know, and like iPhones and this and that, and, like, it's just so much easier. You know, we talk about the progression of filmmaking and how easy it is, and now I think it's finally reached the the res to the point where, like, we're going to be getting lots more of this, hopefully, fingers crossed, and, like, what's even better about that is that, like, it's America, right? So, like, there's just something so much more Uh, Like, I'm just so much more interested in what's going on in that kind of forgotten section of this country and, like, the history of this country before, you know, the the other people, like, showed up.
0: Because it's no secret even on this podcast that I think one of, if not your favorite genre is Western. Like, this isn't, like, a traditional Western, but this is, like, a different kind of Western A different – it's the same setting used differently, told differently – more yeah. differently and it feels like it's not a western but it is right like it's still right. it's a different story told in that setting
1: yeah like like a neo-western right mm-hmm. like a lot of that kind of like there's been a bunch of those recently and uh, not just recently but like that is technically you know a genre so I feel like this yeah fits right in there
0: well, I didn't take a ton of notes because I was just enjoying watching the movie but the first thing I wrote down that I wanted to make sure that I remembered is about halfway through, so it's following these two ki- these two young men. One's probably 10 or 12, maybe, and then one's, like, about 10 years older. Does that feel right?
1: Yeah, I'd say, like, maybe 13 and, and 19, something like that. Okay. Maybe, yeah, that's the vibe I was getting.
0: I was trying to figure out if this would fit for Brian's podcast, and I don't think either. Like, we see some school mm. scenes, like a couple, <laughs> but I think it's middle school. It feels kind of like...
1: Yeah, it's right it's right on the edge there.
0: <laughs> but the first thing I wrote down is that at about halfway through it was sort of unexpected like we don't really know, I don't think, how it happens, but the younger kid's dad and like all these like this whole movie there's this, like, looming dread, because, like, these are, like, kids who are, like, dabbling in crime or, like, full on going out for after crime, and, like, they're all just, like, you know, doing drugs and drinking and whatever, and, like, it's exciting and it's fun to watch, but it's also just, like, something terrible is going to happen to maybe everyone in this movie, or maybe nothing happens. Like, maybe nothing terrible right. happens, but, like, it feels like every scene, which is a good movie, I think and so the entire movie i'm just like oh my god what is going to happen and then like sort of unexpectedly the young kid who like after he gets like choked out by his father which is crazy a couple scenes later his dad dies and i was just like this is intense but then the funereal procession of them driving the cars down that highway and like weaving back and forth and just like a celebration of life i'm like this is something like you've seen like funereal processions like on the highway or whatever but like it's never this like joyous or this like mm-hmm. special or this unique, and I was just like, "This is so cool!" And I feel like we were like let in on not like a secret, but like something that we we don't normally see.
1: Yeah, I was I was feeling that too. Like it was almost more celebratory, you know. And and you can see it in that actor's face. At first, he was almost it was like he was just at a regular, not regular, but like he was at a funeral, and then slowly when he's in the car like his whole demeanor changed to more of like they're celebrating this life and everything and i also noticed like how much more colorful with all the tapestry and everything like it's just much much different vibe going on so yeah that was that's that's a great example of showing you know parts of the culture on screen you know authentically that uh, most people i mean i wasn't aware of Is there
0: a scene like that of another scene that stood out to you as one that you uh, particularly loved or was, you know, caught off guard by or just really enjoyed?
1: Well, I mean, I love the ending. I just love the visuals of the endings with the turkeys. Like, it's such a surreal ending, but, like, it also, you know, makes perfect sense and it's logical and it's such a good conclusion but like very much like you they did an amazing job of just building tension this Mm -hmm. entire film you know and like watching a bunch of unsupervised kids running around with drugs and then watching like teenagers try to be parents you know but like the mom's in one of the mothers in jail and you're like, wait, he's got another baby mama. Like what is going on? Like it is just sort of so out of control. But by the end of the movie, you see that they kind of like in a weird way, have it under control or like you feel like they're going to be okay. So like it escalates and all these bad things happen. Iceland don't watch this. The dog doesn't make it, you know, that was terrible. But at the end, it ends on such like a joyous conclusion, like such a feel good moment that like, you know doesn't feel false or anything it feels like totally earned and like everything's going to be okay i had such a sense of relief at the end of the movie that uh that everything did pretty much work out for most of them the best it could i mean granted they went through hell but uh yeah i i don't know i i, I can't really pinpoint like another scene where i was just like whoa like uh that threw me off but i i mean the stuff when the when they were seeing the buffalo like i like that mm. a lot There, there isn't a whole lot of that kind of stuff so like it really uh meant like a lot kind of
0: magical magical realism in a little bit even though it's not really like magical it's just like probably not there
1: exactly yeah so like that was a nice that was nice that it was touched upon but not dwelled upon
0: yeah I do like so. There are there are basically two different heists in this movie. At the end, there's the turkey heist, but there's also yeah. like the puppy heist in the middle.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And I just like what kind of movie is gonna have two like believable, logical, makes sense, fits the narrative, is exciting, is a little tense, is a little scary, animal heists? And this movie does both. It there's the the puppy heist from just the whole like puppy like the, this kid is just trying to like <laughs> trying to get rich quick and like his. Ideas to buy a poodle for a thousand dollars and breed it and then sell the puppies and i'm like there's got to be easier ways to make money kid like this seems like a bad idea and then someone like steals his dog and sells his dog and so he goes to steal it back and there's a bunch of puppies there and he steals like i'm like what is going on like i love it <laughs> but i'm like this is not at all what i expected to see in this movie
1: it was a nice bit of fun and games like i loved the whole connection with the dog like the dog's there in the very beginning it's just like what what's with this dog Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he kind of falls in love with this dog and you see him like looking up the different dogs and the poodles on his cell phone and everything and when the dog dies like he is he's lost a child you know Mm -hmm. like
0: I feel like like he loved the dog more than the kids right (laughs) yeah
1: kind of you know treats them the same at times uh that whole kind of section of the movie I thought was like really interesting I didn't realize that that thread was going to Uh, sort of run so deep throughout Uh, and the dog heist was definitely hilarious with like I I don't know that the girl was like all like passing out on on her bed and she had like the shotgun (laughs) and the guy was just like yeah my dog she's like no and like get out and he's like "All right, I'll get out like that whole kind of scenario sneaking around the house thing that was very funny
0: it's crazy, and I th- I think you're right, because I wasn't expecting, like, the dog, because it feels like a scheme, right? Like, in the classic, like, yeah. this isn't going to work, he's going to bail on this, he's going to try something else, but, like, he ha- he sets his mind to this dog, and then he has the dog for the rest of the movie until the dog... Gets out of the car, attacks the turkeys, and is shot by I guess the owner of the property or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pubby ice was great, and then the turkey ice at the end is great too. I did like speaking of his baby mamas, which I think I think the second one is maybe kind of his girlfriend, even though she seems like she hates him. Um, <laughs> but she was definitely giving me big Zola vibes, like not like Riley uh-huh. Keough specifically in Zola, just like with, one time with her hair in the top ponytail, but also just like so just exasperated and just like you're Mm -hmm. wasting my time what do you want get out of here just like being so probably justifiably mean to him I was like this rules this is good this is very funny
1: (laughs) yeah all his his interactions with his girlfriends in general like it's all just funny how they're kind of like I don't know why they keep giving him like so many chances and stuff, but like they just can't help it, I guess, to a degree. I-, I don't know. I wish there was a little more, to be honest with you, with those girls in the movie, but I understand it's not their movie and you just get to see how, you know, they're reflected through him, but he definitely sees them as they hate my guts mm-hmm. <laughs> and that in, in sort of, um, you know, unexpectedly funny ways. Like, Yeah, they don't like each
0: other. Because his first one starts the movie in prison and seems like he's trying to get money to bail her out even though he doesn't really want to bail her out and then he just kind of like ignores that and she gets out otherwise. And then she shows up for like one scene at the end she's just like, get out of here. Like, I don't want to see you, right? But like, the other one is in a couple scenes. But I just like that there's like this... I think what this movie does a really good job at doing is like showing that there's like a there's a literal community and group of people who know each other like when the kids go to that like convenience store and they put down like six bucks for like not enough not enough money for all the food and the guys the, the yeah. woman behind the counter is just like this is not enough money and then like it just so happens that like his grandma walks and she's like I got you baby and it's just like everybody knows each other everyone like there's a there's a real sense of community and like they help they help each other out or they like begrudgingly will help each other out or like they'll just be babysitting even though they don't want to be just because they're there it's just it, it feels cozy it feels like communal in a way that I feel most movies because I don't think most communities really are
1: well I think that's like one thing that gets down to like the core of of the of this community is like it's a tribe right it's mm-hmm. like that's you know that's something I feel like is almost lost in society these days, like we live, we live next door, but we live so Mike, far. Mike, you saying that we
0: live in a society?
1: <laughs> yes, but it could be a better society if it was more tribal. Like that's like the end of the movie, right? When like the stories finally converge at the end, when the younger kid sneaks into the older kid's house just to like get a sandwich, you know, yeah. and like a place to sleep, and and he totally accepts him. He's like, "What do you want to eat? You want this? You want that? Like, chill out. Like, have a seat. Have a sleep." Like, you could tell that like they're going to be together and take care of each other at that point. So, yeah, I love that. That was definitely a big theme of the movie.
0: I had two thoughts about that interaction at the end. First of all, I was just like, it's just like heat. We have Pacino and De Niro sharing the screen for the first time. Um, but as, as like halfway through the movie, I'm like, they haven't interacted I wonder if it's going to end with them together or if it's going to be, like, a time-shifted. Like, this is either, like, a younger kid or, like, oh. the young kid is, like, the other kid's dad or like Just, like, something like that. But, like, I was glad it didn't do that, but I could have seen that coming together in a way, like, yeah. where something happens. But, like, no, it's just they're in the same reservation. They're in the same area, but they don't interact until, you know, the little kid is really fending for himself. And he's just – he eventually, you know, tries to steal food from the older kid and gets taken care of. Yeah. But –
1: yeah, that, that feels like something that would have been more of a like a note for an executive for like make this more commercial be like, what if we find out mm-hmm. that like half the movie is the kid's son grown up and like, you know, the movie, the stories will converge and you'll find out the dad's dead. It's like, no, like they didn't have to do, you know, like they did it this way. It was better. And yeah, I was... Because cause it just shows how like they they naturally like flowed together at one point, you know, like the circumstances brought them together and it just felt so like so natural for that to happen throughout the story, you know, and it was like the story was like, no, they don't meet until the end of the movie.
0: Right. I think the, the, the point you said, like, you know, a, a studio exec might make that note to make it more commercial this movie had a budget, I think of $3 million. It made like 90 grand. Like it wasn't made mm. to make money. I think it was made to yeah. tell a story and be like an art piece. And like, I think it does a good job. Cause I, I do like that. It's not, it doesn't feel convenient that they cross paths. It feels inevitable, right? Like it's right. not like, it's not like, Oh, like the, of course they're going to meet. Cause like, that's how it's just like, no, like that, ju- they, they just, because they're all like doing shit they shouldn't be doing like they're going to cross paths at some point because they're like talking to everyone right and so like it's are they going to meet at the white guy's big house are they going to meet here like that kid's driving the car he's like four 12 year olds or whatever one's driving a car (laughs) while drunk one's like doing meth in the back seat one is drinking in the fr- I'm just like this is the most stressed I've ever been watching like just stop and then they hit a deer and then they just leave the car I'm like what the fuck is going on the <laughs> movie is so tense But I'm like are they gonna hit are they gonna hit the older kid like what are they gonna do and it's just no it's it's simpler than that And I think it worked really well
1: It's funny I had all those thoughts running through my brain I was like are they gonna bump are they gonna crash into the other dude and his kids and like they had a gun in the car like when they crashed into oh, the, yeah, the tree four, yeah
0: the fourth kid had a gun and I was like what? <laughs> (laughs) did he
1: shoot one of them like what and they all stumble out and they hit the deer but you know that's a bad that's a bad omen that they hit the deer and so yeah all that played out really nice but i think i like the way you put it like them coming together at the end was inevitable not forced or Mm -hmm. convenient or any of that um it was (laughs) it's almost like the the little kid like was lost everything until he arrived at rock bottom which is where the other dude was waiting for You know, he's like, hey, man, I've been here. I'm ready to show you the ropes.
0: (laughs) And I don't think the movie is like, all right, now he's going to be like an older brother him for the rest of his life. It's just like, no, he's going to like give him a sandwich, like let him hang out for a day or two or whatever, then like send him on his way. And it's going to then the kids gonna like try to figure out the rest of his life on his own. Right. So I think I just think it's so nice that it all like works out like that.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: You mentioned before that the end song had you crying. I wish... I didn't associate that with Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh,
1: no, no, not not that end.
0: Song. Not that one. The, okay.
1: End credit song. Oh, and, and credit yes. song with the with the lovely voice and all that kind. Because of, not the Guardians, but that had me laughing. Like I was like, okay, good use of this song. Sure. Clearly, that's where they spend a lot of their money. Um, you could have probably just done an instrumental from a local band or something over that. It would have been as effective. But I was talking about the very, very
0: band. okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I was gonna be like, are you crying to the Guardians no. song? Like, I just love those movies so much.
1: <laughs> no, no, but I will say this about Guardians 3, like, good use at the end of that movie with that song. So that movie closes out with a good tune, but I didn't, I don't know.
0: I will I will say, I mentioned this earlier when you were talking about singing Elvis songs that I do think that, like American Honey, this movie does a really good job of laying in, like, new rap songs that aren't huge. I mean, there's like some artists that I know and stuff like that. I'm not as verse, and this is I should be or could be or whatever, but I think it feels naturalistic in a way that's not just like, what's the number one top charting hit mm. this week or whatever? It's like, no, these are just songs that like kids in the reservation are gonna like have on their radio or their like iPod or whatever, right? Their their iPhone. So I think it feels authentic in a way that like in American Honey, when they're driving around in that van and just like singing whatever, like I like to – and it's just like, well, these are just these kids, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, doing whatever scam they're doing, singing songs in this van as they drive around the country. Like, these are just kids driving around the reservation, whatever raps on the radio or whatever. So I think it's it's super cool. It feels authentic and good.
1: Yeah, I agree to the point where, like, it's kind of, like, unnoticeable, right? It just, like, again, blends seamlessly into the rest of the film. It never – until that final song never really draws attention to itself in any ways like that where it's like we got to sneak in like uh, this top forty hit or like you mm-hmm. know uh, we'll get more money like we've licensed this song for a co- like they've given us a couple bucks to put it in the movie like I didn't I didn't ever get that sense and but in that way like now that last song the the way they used it it like that really sticks out like a sore thumb
0: <laughs> but I like I mean the turkey heist is funny right like it's a yeah, funny yeah. thing where they're like fuck this white guy, he screwed me over, it wasn't my fault, all this different stuff, like, we're gonna just take him for everything he's worth, because there's also, like, the older kid gets a job, because he, again, trying to make money, passes a guy in, like, a nice car, broken down the side of the road, and he's like, oh, this is an opportunity, pulls over, Is like, what do you need, the guy's like, I need to get to my house, I need to get a tire, I'll, 80 bucks, whatever, the kid's like, okay, cool, and then when they get to the house, the house is enormous. There's two houses, as I describe it, right? And he's just like, I can take this guy for a lot more money. And the guy's like, well, there's actually a girl in the car. I need to get her home to the reservation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I'll do it for a job and $300 and so whatever. So then he meets – he goes to dinner with the guy and his wife. And I was like, oh, no. Is this guy going to – is this kid going to, like, sleep with the wife? Because it feels like the wife is like – Yeah a ticking time bomb, right? And like right. It, she never goes off. She's just this looming threat where I'm like something terrible is going to happen and I'm so uncomfortable. But it felt like she's trying to like entrap him when uh she's like I know about the girls and the kid just like okay. okay. Uh-huh. And she's like no you can talk about it like and she like then accuses him of like sex tra- like human trafficking just like I don't know lady like that seems all right maybe but like <laughs> you got your own issues to deal with and then like then she just goes upstairs and like sings a song it's just like none of this matters to her she's just like a, a spoiled yeah. rich white lady it's just like this is terrifying
1: yeah yeah that was like at first i was like is she gonna is this gonna be some kind of like weird thing where like the the husband goes out and gets res girls and she gets res boys and like they do this weird fucking like thing in the basement you know i don't you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. uh swapping or, and stuff but no like like, it never, it's never, like, a sexual thing, but there is, like, a very threatening thing where it's, like, it gets to a point where both of them, where they're, like, you know, know your place, know your role. Like, they don't really come out and say that until the end, but I think he does. But uh, the the wife kind of, like, plays fucking mind games with him at one point to be, like, you don't know what I'm capable of, and him just being, like, I better not fuck with any of this right. <laughs> any more than I need
0: to. And I think the movie does a really good job of, like, positioning the main characters as like objective criminals right like they're mm-hmm. like you know doing drug whatever all this different stuff but like good people and these people aren't yeah. probably aren't breaking laws but they're also like scumbags right and it's just like kind of framing that but there's also like what i thought was very funny is that when the older kid and some of his friends go to the party to help out and there's one of the white dudes who shows up in like traditional in the bad sense like Cowboys and Indians like dress as an Indian and like yeah. the two dudes just like stare him down. The guy's just like sadly eating chips. I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that that was like the that's the part of the movie where things kind of like flip a little bit where it's like, Oh, these guys, these kids, like, they might be doing bad things, but they're they have a good heart and they need to do this stuff to survive. And then you have like these rich white folk, right? And they're just like have more money than they need and they're just horrible people they're just like at this party and like they didn't need to hire these guys to do this like he's making a point you know of like we're not friends like as much as i share my wine with you like you're still going to serve me at my party and all Mm -hmm. this you know it's very demeaning and it's like yeah, they're not good people, like, and, and and I think some of the costumes, like you just said, like, about that one guy's costume, but there's another guy, like, with a Nixon mask on and stuff. It's just all just very kind of, like, icky, creepy vibes going on there.
0: It's really well done. Again, like, it's not crazy. It's not like, oh, this feels like a movie. It's just like this feels like terrible rich white people co-opting yeah. or, like, channeling whatever, right? Like, you're like, oh, this guy, when when they when you first meet the white guy, you're like, oh, he's kind of like an asshole, but, like maybe he's not so bad. And it's like, "Mm, he kind of is like, he's not like the worst person, but he's also not a good guy. So, right.
1: Yeah. At first I was like, well, maybe he'll like showing, he's just being kind of defensive because this is a stranger. And it's like, you know, but, uh, by the end of the movie, it's like, no, he, he's an asshole.
0: (laughs) Not defending him. Other scenes, other characters, other moments you want to talk about? Anything else that stood out to you in Warpony? Um hmm. I also love the name of the movie, like Warpony, because like I didn't think about it until like I thought about like what it meant. Didn't think about it until I thought about it. What a sentence. But like War Horse, like a big thing, yeah, like just like yeah. kids. Like they're growing up into being men, and they're just like they're a couple of war ponies, right? Like they're they're living life, they're getting by, but they're just kids.
1: Oh, man, that made me that makes me think of the spirit guide in uh res dogs on his horse his Mm, horse mm. and he like dies on his horse (laughs) at the battle of big but uh yeah no i like i i don't i can't like i didn't really take any notes either because i just wanted the movie to like wash over me but like i don't really have any other uh sort of big things to talk about i think we did a pretty good job of uh going through it
0: you know, we've mentioned it a couple times now. I just want to make sure people know that Res- Reservation Dogs on FX, which is also streamable on Hulu, is one of the best shows on TV. The third and final season just started streaming. So, if going to they're releasing episodes weekly. I think there's like 7 or 8 episodes maybe this season. So, if you start watching as this comes out, you can probably catch up pretty easily by the time the se- the series ends. And it's funny, and it's touching, and it's heartfelt, and it just feels honest and real. It's this, but lighter, but also not not serious. Like, there's an episode in the second season where, mm-hmm. like, there's just, like, an older woman dying, and, like, they sit basically, like, you know, whatever the indigenous, like, sitting Shiva is, right? Like, it's it's very powerful. Like, the whole show revolves around a kid who killed himself, right? Or a kid who died, right? So yeah,
1: yeah.
0: it's very heavy and good and just feels like the kind of story that not many other things are telling and I just can't say enough good things about res dog. So go check that out
1: here. Here. I second that. In fact, Joey was the one who told me about that show. So thank you for. Cause there's a lot of things I think me. you would
0: like, but that was what I'm just like, I think you're going to really, really yeah. like this. And yeah, yeah. it's again, one of the best shows on TV, I think. So that's, About it for this episode. We'll be back again, like I said, in a couple of weeks for Tickle Me. So don't go away; you've not missed the Tickle Me episode. It will be out soon. We are gonna do it, and then we didn't do it, but we're gonna do it. I think it's nice to be like we've had for a couple for a while now. The next Elvis movie is Tickle Me, which is which feels (laughs) nerve wracking in a way. But I'm glad that we're doing it.
1: I I mean, I just I'm still like overwhelmed by the idea that this movie exists in the first place, you know, and Mm -hmm. that we missed it. when we did the list originally, and we were just like, "How did we just go down listing all the names? And be like this, then the Tickle Me, this, and not, not like a like record scratch. What was to that?" To be
0: fair, there's a lot of weird, like Girls, 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 and Live a Little, Love a Little, and Change a Habit, and Stay Away, Joe. Like, there's a lot of like mm-hmm. weird Harum. kind of mm-hmm. right. Like, there's weird titles, but also we should have picked a bunch of them. Well,
1: we'll get there very soon.
0: Mike and I are doing a bunch of different episodes. We did a Shorty Cage and a Shorty Charlie's about new sort of cameo appearances in superhero movies. We're gonna go check those out. We've got regular episodes of our regular shows coming out. We've got more bonus episodes, or not bonus episodes, but catch-up episodes of other shows. Just go to cageclub.me, poke around new episodes just about every day especially now that nico and kevo are posting x's for podcasts and html back on the site there's so much content over there so go check out CageClub.me for all those things at cage Club pod on twitter and instagram and email us if you want king k-i-n-g at CageClub.me, and we will be back with tickle me before the end of the month fingers crossed unless something bad happens but i think it'll be fine i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and we'll see you next time right here on viva pod vegas
1: You're not a dream, you're not an angel, you're a man.
0: I'm not a queen, I'm a woman, take my hand. We'll make a space in the lives that we planned. And here we'll stay until it's time for you to go. All right, Uh, Elvis has left the building.